Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. He forewarns, and aren't you glad that God does that for each of us? He may not show you all the little details in between, but he's given us sufficient, sufficient things that we even know in the Word of God that are yet future to us. And I love that because he does that so that we won't worry, so that we won't get consumed with fear. There's enough fear just even knowing what we do know as Christians. If you're prone to fear, there's still that possibility. But think of the world that doesn't know Christ. They have no idea what's coming. Do you understand that? You and I, we've had this opportunity for so many years. If you've been born again and you've, you've been coming to church on a regular basis, you know the end game. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins a three-part series to finalize chapter 25 of the book of Deuteronomy. God is continuing to prepare his people to enter the promised land by issuing numerous miscellaneous laws for their protection. Like a shepherd does for his sheep, God goes before his people and prepares them by giving them advance notice of things that will occur and how to combat those things with his laws. As believers in Jesus Christ, he goes before us and prepares us for things to come through the working of his spirit and his word. As Psalm 23 says, the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message chapter 25. Father, we do thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, that your heart is to meet with us, Lord. Your heart is to challenge us, and Lord, to minister to us in in the deep recesses of our soul, Lord, places where uh, we're not even aware of. God, we don't even know ourselves like you know us. And so, Father, we invite you tonight, Lord, as we open your word to just shine that searchlight deep into our hearts, into our minds, into our thoughts, in every area where darkness may be lurking, Father. Please uncover it, and just privately, between us and you, Lord, expose those things and help us to be quick to turn from those things. So, Lord, have your way with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you could open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Last week we looked at the first... uh, We looked at the first 10 verses, and again, Moses is sharing with the children of Israel, uh, preparing them to go into the promised land. They were going to go into a land filled with a people, uh, seven different people groups, seven different nations that were uh, filled with idolatry, and those things were pervasive, and even though God had caused them and was going to command them to go in and wipe out everything, even still, without the the people there, there's shrines and there's idols and all these things, the paraphernalia of the worship of those Canaanites. And God is warning them, listen, folks, you got to be very careful. 
And God, like a good shepherd, he warns his people before they go into a land. That's what a shepherd does. He goes into the land. He goes into the field before them. And just like a good shepherd would, he would go in and look at all of the things growing on the grass, growing in the field. He would pull up poisonous weeds. He'll pick up anything that the sheep might eat that might hurt them. And God is doing that very thing. He's going before them and telling them what is on the radar screen so that they're not tripped up when they get in there. He forewarns. And aren't you glad that God does that for each of us? He may not show you all the little details in between, but he's given us sufficient Sufficient things that we even know in the Word of God that are yet future to us. And I love that because he does that so that we won't worry, so that we won't get consumed with fear. There's enough fear just even knowing what we do know as Christians. If you're prone to fear, there's still that possibility. But think of the world that doesn't know Christ. They have no idea what's coming. Do you understand that? You and I, we've had this opportunity... For so many years, if you've been born again and you've, you've been coming to church on a regular basis, you know the end game. You know what's coming. The Bible tells us very clearly what's coming. And so we see things going on, and we're like, wow, we can see the pieces coming together. We can see the puzzle starting to take shape. But the world, folks, they have no idea what puzzle we're talking about. They think everything's just random. Can you imagine how unnerving that would be? Can you imagine how unnerving it would be for them to see the things that are going on with Iran and the things with Russia, Russia bringing up their warship right down there in Cuba. It's like we're back in 1960s again. And to hear the sword rattling between the United States and Iran. If you're not a Christian, you're going to freak out over that. But as a Christian, I don't freak out over that because I know what it says in Ezekiel. And we see the nations that are aligning right now that have never been aligned before. They were enemies before, but now for the first time in the 20th century, and now the 21st century, they are all bedfellows. They're all very comfortable with one another. And folks, the things are coming together. And you and I know the end. We know the game that's coming. And we don't need to fear. But the world doesn't know that. So God is telling them in advance as they come into this land, Be prepared. Be prepared. Last week we looked at the first ten verses, like I said, and we spent quite a bit of time talking about the marriage duty, the marriage duty of a surviving brother. If two brothers were married and one of the brothers died and his wife didn't have children, it was the duty of the surviving brother to go in to his widow's, his brother's wife, who is now a widow, who hasn't had children, and to raise up seed for her. And we see in that just the preservation of Israel. And and God has uh, done an amazing thing with the children of Israel. He's made them very unique people, very special people. And and they have. They have their their code of conduct is so uh, tightly wound. And God does that for a reason, because he wants them to be identifiable and, 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 and their lineage to be very clear. And it's for us so that we know that the lineage of Christ and everything that pertains that we read is, is clear to us. And he made that so for all of us, not only for the Jew, but also for us, the Gentile. But let's get into verse 11. Let's just jump right into it. And let's just read verse 11 down through 16, and then we're going to go back and look at it. Verse 11, it says, If two men fight together and the wife of one draws near to rescue her husband from the hand of the one attacking him and puts out her hand and seizes him by the genitals, then you shall cut off her hand. Your eye shall not pity her. 
You shall not have in your bag differing weights. So now he's going on to a different topic. Thank you, Jesus. You shall not have in your bag different weights, a heavy and a light weight. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure, that your days may be lengthened in the land, notice, which the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are what? They're an abomination to the Lord your God. And so let's go back to verse 11. This is kind of a, a hard thing because uh, it's no fun to talk about this. But if two men fight together and the wife of one draws near to rescue her husband from the hand of one attacking him and puts her out her hand and seizes him by the genitals, then you shall cut off her hand. Your eyes shall not pity her. You know, and, and you think about what this is really saying. If two men are fighting... And, and she sees them, and she tries to rescue her husband. She's going to uh, take care of business the best way she can to get his attention, the attacker, that is. And that does get the attention of an attacker. Uh, but notice God's severe judgment upon that way of going about things. Because, obviously, the reproductive ability, obviously, is very important to God. And by grabbing his private parts... It potentially limits or could remove his ability to procreate and thus be unable, notice, to, to obey the command that God had given in the book of Genesis. Have you ever considered that? I'd like to just think that it was just because it's a horrible thing to think about and it would be very painful. But God, and it is true, but God has a deeper thought and a deeper plan in this. And what am I getting at? Let me just read it to you for the sake of time. We're going to go together in a few scriptures, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to give it to you. You can write them down, or you can get the, the CD, or you can listen to it on podcasts, on Apple, or whatever. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Notice the command, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, if, if a man is uh, missing uh, a part of his body or is incapable of procreating, there's no way this is going to happen, at least for him. So do you see how, God, how serious God takes his commandments? Even what seems very natural and very biologically natural. It's a command he gave. And with the commandment comes the responsibility to do. And if you're not able to do it, God wants to make sure that you are able to do it. So he gives the command to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. He reiterates it in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. He says, so God blessed Noah and his sons. And he said to them, be fruitful again and multiply and fill the earth. The command goes forth again after the flood. And then again, just six verses later in the same chapter, he said, and as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. Notice God's commandment, and he wants to make sure that every commandment is able to be obeyed. And so does God take a, a serious look at this? Yes, he does. And it's not even so much, again, for the, the, the painfulness that it might be incurred by the male, but the commandment of God. And I think that's the real reason, because there's a lot of things that are painful. We all go through painful things, but God is more concerned about obey, obeying him. He's more concerned about obedience. Amen? 
I'll never forget my mom told me this story and, and just how crazy of a world we live in today. As you know, um, I've said this before, my mother's a retired police officer, and my brother is still on the force down there in southwest Florida, and one of the things they both told me, they've gone on calls, domestic violence calls, and, and, and this is how crazy things are. Uh, you thought things were crazy. This is going to sound really crazy. They'll go to a domestic violence where a call where a man is beating his wife physically, right? Beating her badly. The police come. They start getting the guy off of her because he's beating her. And they start hog-tying him. They do whatever they got to do to restrain him. They're going to stuff him in the patrol car and take him downtown. And when they start to do that, the wife turns and jumps on the back of the police officers and starts beating them up and scratching their eyes and everything like that. And I'm just like, wait a minute. You called me to come and help you because he was beating you, and now you're going to turn on me. Isn't that crazy how, how crazy the world is? And sometimes this very thing that we're reading happens, you know, where it'll get to the point where they're grabbing things that they ought not to grab. But anyway, it's a crazy world we live in. But let's get on to verse 13. Notice it says, and this is, these, um, verse 13 through 16 are really just a, pro- a prohibition against deception and cheating. And that doesn't happen in our society. Deception and cheating doesn't really occur in our culture, does it? I mean, I haven't seen it lately. Have you? I'm just kind of like waiting for when, when is that going to happen? I haven't seen any really good examples of that. <laughs> Notice what he says in verse 13. You shall, have not, you, shall have, you shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. And you shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure, that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God has given you. And the idea behind this is back at this time, they would measure everything in commerce, in, in trading, in whatever they're doing, in bartering. Whenever they're doing grain or anything like that, they'll have weights, and they'll have their own weights. And there, there was supposed to be a, uh, a, a, an idea of just uh, like a, a, a unit of measure that is the same for everyone. And some people would stack the deck against, you know, for themselves in certain circumstances and, and, and to go against uh, others when they're weighing out things. So you'd put the heavy weight in if somebody is buying something from you, but when they're, you're buying it from them, you'll put the lightweight in because you don't want to be charged as much. You get the idea. And the same thing is true in measures in, in, in the household. And he says, be careful of that. You know, and I love what he says. He says that, that, their, that, that their lives, that they, I'm sorry, they may be lengthened. Their days may be lengthened because if you're dishonest and you go down this road where God himself may judge you or you will be either exiled from the land because of men coming after you, or men may kill you. You know, if, the idea is that God will bless the lengthening of your days if you are honest. But if you are not honest, you've got some trouble coming your way, either from God himself or just from man coming after you. Notice in verse 16, For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are an abomination to the Lord your God. And I love this because God wants to make sure that things were fair and equitable in all areas, outside and inside the home, from neighbor to neighbor. And, and you see, see the order of God. Have you been seeing this recurring theme in, in the Bible in Deuteronomy? Just the orderliness of God, how careful he is. 
to make sure that we're doing the right thing, that we're honest with each other, that we love one another, that we take care of each other. And all these laws and all these things that God is giving to us, we, we ought to learn from them. We ought to say, you know what, God, you, you really are good. You're, you're so good to us, Lord. And, and to think that he could have been anything. You know, God could have chosen to be this angry, angry God that, that is unapproachable. You know, he has all power. He knows all things. He could do whatever he wants. Aren't you glad that he's benevolent rather than malevolent? Aren't you glad that his heart is... See, God doesn't need anything. But he loves to have fellowship with you and I. He loves to pour out his blessings on each of us and to have us respond volitionally, of our own volition, of our own will, responding back to him in love. That's what worship is. He, he, does, he initiates everything, and we respond back to him in thanksgiving, in adoration, in love. And boy, that delights the heart of God when people worship him because of what he's already done, not so much for what he has yet to do for them. Because truth be known, every one of us are indebted to God at this moment. If he did not a single thing for us ever again, if he never answered a prayer ever again, if, 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 the, if the heavens are like brass to us from this moment until we took our last breath, we would still be indebted to him. If he did nothing more than just save our soul and say, believe in my son and you'll be heaven bound. And we simply believe. And if that was all or was, folks, eternity wouldn't be enough for the time that we would give thanks. But yet, that's not the way it is. He blesses us here and now. He blesses us not only, he gives us the hope of glory of where we're going, but he also blesses us here and now. That's how good he is. I love it. In Leviticus chapter 19, concerning this idea of a just weight, he says, You shall do no injustice in judgment, in measurement of length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, an honest ephah, which is another measure of, of, of uh, another measure at that time, and an honest hin, another unit of measure. I am the Lord your God, he says, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. That was Leviticus 19, verse 35 and 36. And he goes in Proverbs, he says the same thing. The very first verse of Proverbs 11. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And in Proverbs 20, verse 10, diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike. They're an abomination to the Lord. Let's go on and look at verses 17 through 19. And this is where the command is to destroy the Amalekites. And when you think of God giving the command to destroy a people group, you've got to understand God's point of view. In our culture, this is very politically incorrect for God to do. I can't believe he did this. Very politically incorrect for him to single out. He's racially profiling. God, how can you do that? You know what? Who cares what the world thinks? There's a reason why God does this. And you know, I don't know why, because he gave them, folks. And this is something that we don't always understand. When we read a, a, a couple of verses like we're going to read here, we're going to spend a little bit of time in here, you have to understand something. And that is this people group, the Amalekites and the Canaanites, we've talked about this many times. They had been rebelling against God for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years they were engaged in all kinds of abominable idolatries. And they knew better. They knew better. And yet they continued to do these things. And God gave them 400, at least 430 years 
more time than that, actually. But all the time Israel was in Egypt, he gave them 430 years to turn from their sin, their wicked ways, but they would not. And God does have a time when he says, that's enough. I've had enough. I'm going to judge everything. And he has the right to do so. We don't like that. But we have to get over it because he's God and we're not, right? Never, never question God's, you know, his motive. We don't always understand God, and that's okay. It's okay to ask questions. But just understand, when you don't understand something about the Lord, something that he allows or does, it's because of our understanding is so minuscule. But his understanding is limitless. He's omniscient. He's without, he can't learn a thing because he knows everything. He knows what's coming before you do. He knows the, the, the 13th word that I'm going to speak three years from now. He could tell me right now. And I'd forget about it, and I'd say that very same word because he knows. He's so wonderful. But let's read it. Verse 17 through 19, it says, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt. He's speaking to the Jews, to the Israelites. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary. And he did not fear God. Therefore it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Here it is. The bomb drops. That you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget this. Wow. That's a really politically incorrect statement. But God says it because he, he means it. Now, what, what did happen? You know, we look at this event. Uh, Exodus tells us, Exodus chapter 17 tells us what happened. And even in 1 Samuel chapter 15, it gives us a little more information on the method of their attack. Go with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 17. We're going to look at verses 8 through 16. What is God talking about? Now, what I think is interesting here is in Deuteronomy, here in just these three verses that we read, God gave information here in this spot that wasn't given to us in Exodus 17, beginning in verse 8. Let's read it. It says, now Amalek, now remember the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt. They've been in the wilderness. They're, They're on their way. And so now Amalek came out and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, his commander of the army, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand uh, on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let it down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now think about this. When you, have you ever tried to raise your hands like this? You're okay for about three or four minutes. We're talking about the entire day. You're going to need some help. Your face is going to start turning pale. You're weak in the knees and you're going to start to wobble. <laughs> right? So notice what happens. Very naturally, but Moses' hands, verse 12, became heavy. So they took a stone, and they put it under him, and he sat on the stone. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on the one side and one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Notice verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book. 
and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.